She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. As Attorney General, my allegiance will be to the rule of law, the Constitution, and the American people. This is how it should be, this is how it must be, and if you confirm me, this is how it will be. Manafort was trying to get paid for, for, for his work on, on behalf of Ukraine. Uh, Flynn had his own dealings. Uh, but, but it is not added up to anything of the central question again, was there anybody, was the Trump campaign aware of or coordinating with the Russians in their effort to meddle with the election? So far, there's been nothing on that, and I'm led to believe, don't expect there's going to be any. The government shutdown continues longer than any in history. I'm told this is a crisis. No government shutdown crisis. Another Trump-generated crisis. This crisis, crisis, crisis. It's causing chaos, confusion, pain. It's just too much. We shouldn't shut down the government over a dispute. And yeah. you want to shut it down. I, you no, keep no, talking no, no. about it. The last time, Chuck, you shut it down. No, no, no. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being here today. We are live and direct to you from the heartland, and we're enjoying this opportunity to once again approach all the news and information uh, that you want to hear, that you need to know here at home on American Family Radio. Uh, right now, it's my pleasure to be with you. I want to uh, point you guys to the website, AFR.net, or, um, you know, uh, we also have UrbanFamilyTalk.com. And today on the program, we have a fantastic guest this hour for you. It's John Gabriel, editor-in-chief of Ricochet. He's going to join us. We also have, um, we, we're going to be speaking about the shutdown. Um, I, I found some interesting uh, you know, sound for us from the, um, it's, it's from Stossel over at Fox News. And I think right now he's not at Fox News. Maybe he's at Reason Foundation, but he is, um, he's able to... Um, come to us with this well-researched information. And he actually has gone through and said that he wants to um, take, take it into to hand. This, this information is about the, the shutdown, if you will. So to be perfectly clear, I'm not in favor of people um, not getting paid for working. I'm not in favor of government shutdowns. But there are opportunities that present themselves to us now that we just can't get away from. They're, they're unassailable. And we're going to talk about this article that kind of goes into that a little bit, specifically speaking to this idea that when the government is shut down, the world is about to end. If you listen to the Democrats and the things that they've been saying about it, the shutdown, they have been so outlandishly out of control about the fact that, hey, you know, this is a shutdown. And it's been so horrible and, 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 and uh, you know, the world is going to end. Well, for most people, the world is not only not ended, but everything's going along as planned. For people who want to visit parks, the only thing they're finding is a little bit more trash and even volunteers are cleaning that up. Uh, you heard me. Volunteers, people from um, just out of anywhere, just regular people see trash piling up in America's parks and they've decided that they want to do something about it. And there's just something so outstanding about that, uh, that what we've been able to do is really find our way to a, a different kind of America. Well, it's what, what would happen is people would start to be more responsible about how they throw trash away at parks. 
Notice the Obama administration closed the parks down and put up signs to make it really uncomfortable for people. But the uh, Trump administration is leaving the parks open and they just the, the trash is piling up and volunteers are cleaning it. This is the way it's supposed to happen. Now, there's another opportunity here. Uh, the, art, the article that I'm going to bring to you is about draining the swamp. Um, the fact that you can't actually let go of government employees easily unless there's a furlough, which is what's going on now. And once the furlough reaches 30 days, then you have this unique opportunity to take what's called RIF actions. And those RIF actions make it possible to let go of people who honestly, after 30 days, they haven't been doing their job and everything's still going fine. You're kind of wondering what were they doing? What did they do? Well, they're process bureaucrats. They exist to, uh, you know, make process more difficult. So in the case of a president that they like, they exist to uh, amplify his decisions and make them happen more quickly and to force others into subservience. And for uh, actions that they don't like or presidents that they don't support, like President Trump, he can take an action and instruct the government to do it. It can be lawful. There's no judgment against it. No circuit court activist has ruled it unconstitutional. Yet what will happen is they can add processes in. They can say we need extra levels of approval within the bureaucracy. And when, they do, and when they do that, then what happens is we know for a fact that there's a, a just an instant, almost instant slowing down of the order or non-execution on it. So while we all say, oh, yay, we, you know, we applaud President Trump for taking this action that is going through the executive branch or, you know, this agency, the EPA has to do this or that. Well, the EPA may not be executing on the order that the president has you know, passed down through the administration because process bureaucrats are putting a stop to that. So you can't just fire or release from employment, even when employees are horrible. You can't do anything to them when they're working for the federal government because of their union and the way the laws are set up. But if you want to make a huge change in government um, and you have an opportunity to do so like this for everyone's furloughed, you, not everyone, just a quarter of the government, then during that time, you can make substantial changes to numbers and draw down the government significantly. And that is what people are advocating for. Uh, so I have more information on that for you. We'll get into that a little bit further. We're also going to talk about Amazon Ring. I don't know if you're one of those people who you're, you're totally outside of what I recommend and you're free to do whatever you want. I am not the boss of you, but it is so imperative for us to understand that any device that responds to your command, it has to be listening at all times in order to do that. That's the same way that it is when, when you're talking to someone, a human being. If they're not listening to you, they're not going to respond to anything that you say to them unless you first. That's why we call each other by names because then you know I'm, I'm talking to you. If someone's just talking and I don't know that they're talking to me, directly to me, I'm not sure if I'm even paying attention or listening to them unless I'm actually looking at them and waiting for them to address me. But these machines are always on. That's how they respond to their name. So they're always listening. And the ones that have video capability, well, the creators of those machines like to have those, uh, those machines have the cameras be on. And so all of this information from these families, um, their, their information, video of their homes, unrestricted access was given to employees of Amazon. And I, I tell you what, it, it's one of the most dastardly things because we allow it. We actually allow these listening devices from companies that we know we can't trust. I mean, sure, you can shop at Amazon. I certainly do. 
Uh, but you, you trust them to have a listening device and a video device live and recording and listening at all times in your home. Now, again, you do you. It's important for us to be, you know, take responsibility for the decisions that we make. But I, I just, I find it kind of striking that we would allow it, that we as Americans would say, you know what, this is a good idea for me. I like this. I think this is a wonderful idea to have a listening device and a video capable device on in my home at all times. I hope it means you're never running around in less than full coverage, you know, nightgowns, pajamas, et cetera, that you, you know, you're, you're basically saying, I want to have a public viewing capability in my home. I think it's a horrible idea. I think the, the people who are most susceptible to having them in their homes are people who are seeking convenience and like the idea of technology serving them and serving them well. And I get it. it. The idea sounds fun. And I used to really enjoy, you know, 15, 20 years ago where in the movies they would show a fully automated home where a person would say, you know, home, do this or turn on the lights or cut these things off. And what would happen is it would the home would respond. But what we've come to find out is that not only do you give up a lot of your own personal freedom and privacy, but you don't know who's on the other end of that device watching, looking, listening, and responding with whatever they want to do to your personal information. I think it's a violation of our privacy, but it's one that we give them access to. We don't give them permission to violate our privacy, but we give them access by putting these devices in our homes. It's not smart. The convenience factor is completely outweighed by the fact that once they have the information, whether it's video of you in your home, video or audio of you in your home, they have it. And there's no way for you to be absolutely certain that they've deleted it, gotten rid of it, uh, you know, what they're doing with it. Now, there could be, you know, if you're, if you're like me, I always think, you know, anyone who's listening in on my cell phone is really, they're, they're not doing their best with their time. They're not living their best life as the, as the youth of today like to say, because it's so boring, the stuff that I'm texting about. Uh, we currently have with my family text group, um, we're talking about how much weight I've lost and whether or not my dad should continue to send us huge containers of German candy and pastries and things like that. That is not exciting. It is just not anything that anybody would want to know. But that's not the point. The point isn't that no one would want to know it or that my life is really super boring and, you know, what some people would call lame. It's that the information is there and I don't have complete control over it. And I, kn- I know that going in with texting. But the audio, you know, you and your family talking to each other, the audio of you, you know, just sitting around watching TV and you know, conversing back and forth or the audio of you discussing your bills or, you know, the latest diagnosis on a health issue or something like that. Something's got to be private. And the only way to keep it private is to say no to these devices. And I'm talking about the Amazon Echo, the Amazon Ring, the, the other ones. I don't even know the names of all of them because everyone seems to have their own little one du jour, like their device du jour that they like to have. And I also, you know, if we have to buy a television, we don't need one now, but the next time we have to purchase a television because one goes out, it, we're going to be making a decision between a smart TV, which has the same capability as these devices. It can listen to you. It can hear you. Uh, it can video you because you can do video phone chats on these TVs. So you have to wonder, like with our laptops, it's not as bad. You close your laptop, power it down, or you leave it in the office. It doesn't have access to your whole home. 
a television that's in a big room in your house where you're often going to be present is going to have a much bigger impact because you're spending more time in there than I spend in this office with this laptop. And uh, the, the fact that they keep saying in the movies and on TV that anyone at the NSA or any security agency, and even I guess at like, let's say your carrier's AT&T, can go in and turn the, 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 uh, the microphone on your phone on. And once they do, the, your phone doesn't even have to be on. So the power doesn't have to be to your phone. The only way to stop it is to take the battery out. And good luck taking a battery out of an iPhone without you know, completely destroying it. Um, that means that you have to leave your phone in, let's say, the office. We use that as an example. Leave it in your office, power it off, and shut the door, and then go have your private conversations in another room. We don't often think about that. And again, if you're living in Boringville like I am, you might not be as concerned about this, but it is something for us to consider. It's a responsibility for us to know that we have given away some of our privacy by even using smartphones and laptops and, t- and smart TVs, and that in my opinion, it goes a step too far when you get these personal assistants that respond to your every call. Those devices are always listening, and you don't know if they're always recording or transmitting the information to some other place. So I kind of covered that. I was going to preview it, but I covered it. And I'll give you any other salient facts. Um, So again, welcome into the program. You are home here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We're so excited to speak to you today. Uh, The call lines are open, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Today's daily confession is Leviticus 19.31. Do not turn to mediums or seek out spiritists, for you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. What I'm trying to share with you on this one as we go out of this segment is that we often will get society tells us and kind of ropes us into uh you know, you should get, you should get your palm read. You should talk to a medium about that. You know, what's really fun is playing with Ouija boards and all of those types of things. When we consult with spirits, we're basically saying that we're not, we, we think their opinion is much better than actually going to God and asking him to answer our prayers. And I want to be really specific about this because I think people will, I'm not insulting anyone. I, I don't, I don't have any hatred for anyone, but I definitely think it's something that bears reminding, especially with our culture where it is, where witchcraft and things like that are really, it's almost exalted at this point. It's wrong and we shouldn't do it because it opens us up to being defiled. It also is like sticking our fist in the face of God and saying, I know someone who could answer my questions better than you can. Trust God with your questions. He will answer every single time. We'll be back with John Gabriel right after these messages. Stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums? And strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well, then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable. It's MediShare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than 25 years. MediShare members report saving around $500 a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster and say hello to MediShare. Call star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. 
MediShare. Call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star 345. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a legacy moment. Our youngest daughter, Holly, played the flute in her high school band. Karen and I attended their concert one evening, and it was fantastic. They, they played some very challenging pieces. In fact, for the finale, they played an extremely difficult piece, and they nailed it. As it came to the end, there was this great crescendo. The audience stood to their feet in spontaneous applause, giving these young performers a standing ovation. They deserved it. They did a marvelous job. Acts chapter 7 is a very moving passage to me, especially near the end of that passage. It is a story of one of the early church leaders, Stephen, who was stoned for his bold statements concerning Christ. Listen to these powerful words. Verse 54 of Acts chapter 7. Now, when they had heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. This is incredible to me. Normally, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And here the Son of God gives one of his followers a standing ovation. The message is powerful. It's clear that when we're faithful, when we take a stand for Jesus, when we do the difficult stuff in the midst of hostility and persecution, God says, you have my son's attention. He stands for us. He recognizes us. And he gives what we need to go through those dark hours. Here's what I want you to remember today. Perhaps you are suffering and going through some persecution because of your stand for Christ. Be assured, if you are standing for Him, He is standing for you. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. We had a little smidgen of a technical difficulty at the very beginning of the show, but we are up and running. Everything's fantastic. And I'm so glad to have you here with us on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Uh, We, certainly for myself, speaking for myself alone, it is a blessing to be with you and to have the ability to broadcast here on American Family Radio in all of the different places around the country that we are heard on a daily basis and to be a part of the fantastic lineup here Sandy Rios, uh, Tim Wildman and his morning crew, and then obviously Brian Fisher and so many others, including Abraham Hamilton III. Wonderful lineup, Washington Watch. I can't name them all out of out of my head, but I'm just cataloging the ones that come to mind immediately. It's a blessing to be here in amongst this fantastic group. So right now it's my pleasure to welcome our next guest, Editor-in-Chief of Ricochet, John Gabriel. John, thank you for joining us today. Happy New Year. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's good to talk to you. When I saw the topic, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to like <laughs> it's an appropriate time for us to kind of run this thing through. So you and I are both totally inappropriate because we are conservatives and we're out in the public. We know we are not right. invited to things. We, we're, we, we don't sit. We're not invited to the table. We're we're out. <laughs> um, but when you say no host is pure enough to host the Oscars, we're talking about mainstream leftists like Kevin Hart and others who really are popular and bring a lot of money to Hollywood and have been inappropriate and will continue to be inappropriate because it's funny, they're no longer woke enough to, say, host the Oscars. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it really is. Uh, You cannot 
you cannot be woke enough. It's just <laughs> they keep uh, shifting the lines. And that's the weird thing about it. It's almost like the left is setting up this new secular religion, basically, and they haven't really figured out the rules yet. They keep making them tougher and tougher, and if you violate them, or if you violated them, say, 20 years ago when they didn't exist, boy, they get mad. And there's, uh, you know, you, they, you can apologize and apologize. There's no forgiveness. They don't have that either. So it's uh, really strange to see, and I think Hollywood itself must be shocked at what is this monster we created? Because they thought it was great when they were using it against the right, and now it's just consuming their whole industry. But isn't this something we said back when? You know, it's it's probably worth noting, maybe seven years ago, maybe ten years ago, we were all saying on blogs, if you are willing to roast anyone, like if you're willing to throw the conservatives out of the camp for cracking jokes that are inappropriate or saying the truth unabashedly without concern for people's feelings, at some point this will come back to bite you. And everyone's like, no, we just are against bigotry. We're against you because you hate America and you hate Americans. And so off you go. And now we've been out in the cold for a while and we're liking it out here. We have our parkas on. And now the liberals are arriving. And it's kind of funny. I know. I know. And some of them are saying, wow, how did this happen to me? I'm one of the quote-unquote good people. And uh, this isn't fair. And, yeah, it's just really wild. And I guess the Oscars was having a really difficult time finding a host to begin with. And then they finally offered it to Kevin Hart, which who, who's made, you know, untold millions, billions of dollars in the movies, made all these people very, very wealthy. And, uh, yeah, then... They say, hey, 10 years ago, you made a joke that hurt somebody's feeling, apologize for it. And he had already apologized for it several times in the press. <laughs> and uh, they said, if you don't apologize yet again, we're going to fire you. And he said, you know what? I'm apologizing and I don't want the job. So, well, I, I thought yeah. what he said was, I've apologized enough. In my opinion, it was an, an epic display of toxic ma- masculinity that he displayed there. He was, he was like, I've already apologized, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm, and I also, I don't need to do your stupid show. I'm already famous. So, you know. Right, right. And that's the thing. He was doing them a favor. They weren't doing him a favor by letting him post. It's like, it's not like he needs the money. He doesn't need the exposure. He's already this mega star. He, his fans, he's got fans all over the world. Uh, he doesn't need the Oscars to get famous. He's already famous. And so when he walked away, that was pretty much it. And I think with Kevin Hart, too, it's like, I'm, you know, I'm not saying he did this because he's this rock-ripped conservative or anything like no. that. Mm-mm. But some, you know, and I don't care where you are politically, some people, when you tell them to kneel before you, they're not going to oh, do yeah. it. And that's a, that's basically what he did. I'm not kneeling before that Oscar statue. <laughs> I don't care if it's gold. Um, and, uh, and, boy, yeah, the left is still mad at him. And now nobody is willing to host because, boy. It doesn't matter. Everybody's made a mistake, and now you're not allowed to make mistakes anymore. But, I, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm totally in agreement. So, John, the only thing is they're not really mistakes if people are still saying the same kinds of jokes. So the same kind of jokes that Kevin Hart did back then, he occasionally does now in his stand-up because what, what we all do is we see him as the bunny rabbit in that kid's movie and, he, you know, we hear him in the family type stuff that he puts out and we just forget that he came up through comedy in clubs. And so he's he's not a clean comic. He, he curses right. a lot, a lot of profanity. And a lot of the jokes would be considered vulgar by I know for my my tea set, my lunch set, the chicks I hang out with. We would not just blast that in our cars. Teenagers or no husbands or no. We just wouldn't listen to it. But there are millions of Americans who enjoy that kind of humor 
And they're still enjoying it. There are still comics out there making jokes about homosexuality and anything else under the sun. Black people, fat people, skinny people, you name it. They're making the jokes. They're making jokes about white people. I mean, they're, they're equal opportunity offenders and they're not stopping. But you're right when you say that there's these uh, Hollywood types. They don't want their, their Twitter feeds examined. They're like, well, I'm not going to host because then they'll just look at my Twitter feed. And it doesn't even like I don't even know that they pay you to host the Oscars. I thought the uh, the payment was the fact that you were standing on the Oscar stage as the host. Exactly. That's yeah. They you, they do. You don't get paid for it. You got to do a lot of prep for it, all the writing and all that. And and that's the thing too is even if they didn't dig up something in your past, um, anytime somebody hosts it, they're just subjected to all these people yelling at them anyway. Did you hear that joke he did? He said, "Did you see the way he looked at that cute actress?" You know, it's just endless and. Who needs it? Kevin Hart's like, yeah, I'll just uh, relax in my hammock and uh, right outside of my mansion, and I'm good to go. I'll keep making money because I got comic shows booked for the next, like, he's, he's still doing stand-up <laughs> right. comedy, which is what yeah, people don't get. They could get do fresh content from him to be angry about. Set, it never quit. Yeah, I, so... Let's let's delve into this a little further because I'm wondering: Do we see a nexus? Because whenever I expect liberals to f- eventually get to a place where they recoil from their own madness, they always prove to me that I just I've underestimated how how far they can go. Like they don't they don't have consequences and then change behavior. They just go ever deeper down into the abyss. Do you see them coming to a place where they say, you know? We got to let people have their past because our country has evolved on this issue or that issue, whatever that means. Or, or do they do they continue to just knock everyone out until there's no one left? I think they're going to continue to do this for a while, um, which is just crazy. You know, you like you said ten years ago when we're blogging, we're like, um, guys, you know where you're headed with this. Now it's coming to pass, and there's still, you know, if you criticize them over their behavior, the majority of them still just yell and scream. And I think you have a lot of people, too. It's like uh, we've seen other comics in hot water for inappropriate behavior, inappropriate jokes. And what you see is, especially uh, stars who have been around for, you know, say they're in their early 50s or something like that, they're the ones dumping on these people the most, especially like white male comics. They're just dumping on these people bad. And I think they look at it and go, oh, i got about five, ten years left in my career anyway. I just want to make sure I'm not taken under before... I retire, basically. I just need to uh, get a few million in my bank account, and then I will be attacked for something, but it'll be okay. So Right, because I, I'll be richer than... Oh, yeah, I mean, I I think we, we all have this place where we, we're working, and we start to get annoyed with our workplace, and you're like, well, do I jump ship and start over somewhere else, or do I just continue on here? And I've heard people who are in their 60s say, look, I'm retiring at 68 or 70, or I've, I've got my plan. Once I execute on that, I won't worry about this anymore. So this is, you know, a temporary situation for me. But in Hollywood, it's even, that happens much more quickly. They don't last as long, not all of them. And specifically speaking about this crazy phenomenon, they don't actually care what our culture looks like. They don't care if they improve it or make it worse. They just want to make their millions, like you described. Exactly. They live in a bubble. You know, if you, <laughs> anyone who's visited, visited L.A., you know, you think of you see all the sandy beaches and the sunshine and the palm trees. Yeah, in certain neighborhoods, it's gorgeous. It's just like, it's unreal. It's like fantasy land. And then you go a couple streets away, a couple streets inland, and it's rough. And, you know, there's homeless camps everywhere. And they are really kind of creating this crazy socialist medieval society where you have the haves and the have-nots, the, the lords and the serfs, 
you know, and they are recreating it. But those rich people, they're in their bubble. They just don't know. They don't care. They go to the nice restaurants. They hang out with their fellow people. And when they have to drive between, you know, homeless shelters and, you know, homeless tents, encampments everywhere, they just don't seem to notice it. They don't seem to care because they're in their little bubble and they love it there and they want to stay there. So what's, I I know this is like the age-old question, but what is the appropriate response? Culturally, we see Americans really pulling away from Hollywood. That's the, the rise of Amazon and Netflix produced films, which is really just the same people going to a different building and making their content. But right. it, people are pulling away from the traditional Hollywood modes of, uh, you know, their products because they find most of it so repugnant. And the fact that a lot of it was created by people that we we can't even say their name without like chills going down our spine, like Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey, really right. disgusting people. So we get away from that. But the cultural rot continues like that's unabated. There's nothing being cleaned out. No one is finally standing up and saying, look, we're going too far. We want people to be treated kindly. But this is this is censorship. There's no freedom of speech in this. So what is the answer for regular Americans who don't want to support these people? Like, I don't watch the Oscars anymore, but it doesn't seem to be having an impact. Yeah, well, and the ratings are going down. Uh, Hollywood's receipts tend to be going down, you know, if you if you go kind of decade, decade by decade. I think a lot of it, uh, kind of like you, what, what I focused on, talk about uncool, I'm reading books, especially really old books and books about God and books about kind of these foundational principles. And uh, when I get, you know, I don't know, the hot new TV show that I have to watch, quote unquote, comes on, I'm just like, yeah, I want to finish this. Mm. And um, and really just kind of creating, whether it's writing, playing guitar, doing whatever, it's just like, it's just a lot more fun to hang out with the kids and uh, get involved in their life and get involved in the real world. I, I think part of the problem is, too, there's so many outlets. Uh, we both know Twitter and Facebook and then you know, I don't know, online video games and TVs and movies and podcasts, and there's just so many things out there. And uh, it's kind of overwhelming. And I I think a lot of us are being forced to just kind of pull back to keep our sanity. It's just too much going on out there. And that's the thing. It's not like you totally isolate yourself from the culture. But make sure to just turn everything off for a while. That's, That's what I get to do, thankfully, as everybody in my family goes to bed early and they all go to bed and at about nine or ten o'clock and they all go to bed i just no tv no sound <laughs> just like ah peace and quiet and i can focus on the important things so um i think creating our own stuff is huge and that's one fantastic thing about the internet is you know if you create a video or something you can upload it yourself um but then too just just kind of uh, focusing on the important things and yeah it's it seems like it has to come back, but yeah, it's not going to be led by Hollywood. It's going to be led by average people like you and me and your listeners and just doing the right thing. And all these people who are running this crazy rat race looking and going, huh, what's different about you? Why, why aren't you uh, completely stressed out and miserable 24-7 like we are? Mm, that is a great point. Um, I, I find that because I used to be one of those people I know growing up. I mean, you, you might have the same experience. For our family, when the Oscars would come on, we'd actually, like, we'd get all of our stuff done because it was always on a Sunday. So we'd go to church, come home, we'd eat, we'd get everything cleaned up and get ready for Monday. And then we would have that time to watch the Oscars. And for us, it was a chance to see who was wearing what and our favorite stars. Maybe they would win for a movie that we liked. And we knew that 
it was worlds away from our life, but we liked watching. And it was my mom, my dad, my sister, and me, and we would watch it. And my parents would, obviously, they'd comment on the women whose dresses were, you know, my mom would use, you know, colorful language to, to describe <laughs> what kind of women of the night they look like. And my dad would say, while those dresses are attractive, men will think certain things about you if you wear things like that, you know, so they would <laughs> try to use uh-huh. teaching, teachable moments. But John, it was, um, it was fun. And I've never had that experience with our kids because when they got old enough to watch it, by then I was completely offended by uh, some of the movies put out by Hollywood types, their obsession with bashing conservatives and Republicans. And I felt like it wasn't a good use of our time. And now it's to the point where when I see other people talking about it, I'm kind of like, oh, are you still watching that? Wow, I would never watch that. So, right. yeah, it's the relevance is eked away. It's just... Yeah, and we were the same way growing up. We would always watch that, that or the Emmys or the Grammys, and mm-hmm. we would always have at least heard of all the movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, We'd we seen them all. We'd yeah. have the money to see, see every movie that came out, that's for sure, but you know, we would at least know about them, You know, whether it's Grammys, Emmys. You're just kind of aware. We had a shared culture. And, yeah, if something, there was usually one weird moment where someone would be political or something, and everybody would kind of chuckle under their breath, and, oh, that was odd. Yeah. yeah. Or <laughs> it was like they frowned. Just outfit. Yeah. There was always yeah. like one person, and that was it, though. It wasn't offensive. It wasn't, you know, vulgar. It wasn't attacking a fellow American 24-7. And, yeah, I've never watched these award shows with my kids. Um, never. And it's just they don't even know they were on. They care less. They're just like, eh, yeah, it's some old thing. Totally out of touch. I've never heard of any of these movies. It's just right. they're just not into them either. <laughs> my kids go, I'll go, uh so we were watching this old movie from like 20 years ago and Mel Gibson was in it. And I said, oh my goodness, it's Mel Gibson. And the kid said unison as if they'd planned it. Who? Like in a dead voice. Who? <laughs> I said, Mel Gibson. He was like a big star in Hollywood. By the time I got to the word Hollywood, I saw people little, out of the, my peripherals, their little hands were reaching for phones. And I'm like, don't, don't pick up your phones. The movie's about to, like, the, the movie's starting. Don't, don't get distracted. And they're like, oh, we just thought you were going to start talking about Mel Gibson. I'm like, well, he was, a, he was a star, but don't worry. I'm not going to talk about him so to, to make you guys not watch the movie. They are not interested. And, and our kids are pretty typical when it comes to, you know, their consumption of the, the, the culture. I'm, I, for one, John, am glad that you are still there faithfully and doodly cranking out original content and reading books and uh, staying sharp for those of us. We, we need you out there, John. John Gabriel, editor-in-chief of Ricochet. Thank you for coming on. You bet. We need you, too. Thanks so much for having me here. Well, thanks, and I, I'll talk to you again soon. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoy John's commentary on this stuff. It's, uh, it's right where we are. Can we get back? We'll be talking to you, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Keep it here. Can solid teamwork building principles apply to all of life? Here's Tony Dungy, author of The Soul of a Team, with today's Uncommon Moment. As a coach, I organized what we called the mock game before the start of a new season. The special teams coach and I ran a team made up of backup players. The rest of the coaching staff took the starters. I wanted to see the young players and the backups handle the mental adversity of going against the starters. Who would be able to perform well even when their team was outmanned? Who would go out there and do their jobs no matter what? 
The mock game was designed to help every player fully own his own role. But that was just one day. Those who accomplished the most were prepared, present, and positive, and were proactive each and every day. Tony Dungy, best-selling author of The Soul of a Team, from Tyndale House. More at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com. We want America to be a godly nation. The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson. It's never been an issue of race. It's always been an issue of the human heart. A passion to see America rise and shine like a city that's set upon a hill. The problem in America has always been sin. Don't miss Bishop E.W. Jackson and The Awakening. Weekday mornings at 9 Central on Urban Family Talk. Romans 13, 14 says, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the desires of the flesh. So what are you clothing yourself with? Whether we realize it or not, what we allow in our temples affects our way of living. We can't feed ourselves junk and expect to hear from the Lord. Clothe yourself with the righteousness of God at urbanfamilytalk.com. This is Poll Paris with Fox News Director of Polling, Dana Blanton. The border wall. It's a big deal to President Trump. Walls work. Let's shed some light on that. We talked with more than 100,000 voters nationwide for our Fox News voter analysis survey. It shows a majority opposes a border wall. However, the president's core constituents like it. 65% of working class white men, 79% of white evangelical Christians, 82% of Republicans. They all favor the wall. Among Democrats, it's 13%. By a 69-point margin, Democrats are more likely to think immigrants help the country than hurt it, the opposite among Republicans. By a 28-point margin, they're more likely to think immigrants hurt the country. And while Democrats name health care as the most important issue facing the country, for Republicans, the top spot goes to illegal immigration. And an overwhelming majority of GOPers approve of the job President Trump is doing on the issue. I'm Dana Blanton, and that's your poll Paris. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Much of government we could just get rid of. The New York Times says shutdown curtails FDA food inspection. Oh no, we'll be poisoned. But if you read the smaller print, you'd learn that 80% of food inspection is done by the Agriculture Department, and they're still inspecting. But more important, the main reason food is safe is not government, it's competition. Fear of getting a bad reputation inspires most food producers to employ more safety inspectors than government requires. Beef carcasses undergo hot steam rinses and microbiological testing that go well beyond what government demands. Yet politicians want us to think it's all about government. Where government work is needed, privatize much of it. Even security work, like what the TSA does, is done better by the private sector. Go to San Francisco's airport, you'll notice the lines are shorter and they move more quickly. And passengers say the screeners are nicer. People here are friendly and willing to help. Not only are they nicer, the TSA acknowledged that they were better at finding contraband. That's because they're private contractors. They have to be better or they might get fired. Government never fires itself. 
So that's John Stossel and his commentary on this is fantastic. I posted it over on the Facebook page for Stacy on the Right, and I hope that you'll, uh, you know, check it out. It's he's so entertaining. He's fun to watch or listen to, which is what I recommend for anyone who you if you like doing streaming services. And it's fun for us to put the show on live stream and all of that. But whatever, wherever you're tempted to tune in, you can always just hit play and listen and go on about your daily work. It can be an addition to what you're doing as opposed to something that draws you away from getting things done. So I just recommend that to you. But uh, it's a good commentary by John Stossel. Um, his, his commentary that private is better, it's been echoed over and over and over again, and studies have shown it to be true, that private corporations that have a reputation on the line always provide better services than the government. That the only difference there being, of course, our national defense. And the reason our national defense is top-notch is because we have an all-volunteer military run by people who also have reputations on the line. When America doesn't do well abroad militarily, it's damaging to the morale of the troops, and it has an impact. And so they're motivated by love of country. But that is a constitutionally mandated activity, defending the homeland and, and waging war. And so it kind of uh, it's understandable that it works that way. Uh, I do have some more information for you on this Amazon ring, but I want to get to the phone calls. We so value our listeners here. And if you're just tuning in, welcome to the show. Happy Tuesday. And I also want to point out that um, I did thank everyone last week, but I just want to say thank you one more time. We're just shy of 3,000 uh, ultrasounds that are paid for by you. 100% of what you gave last week during our preborn campaign goes to provide ultrasounds to young women who are abortion-minded. And we are so grateful to you. Uh, I just I, I would just like to express our sincere gratitude for the listening audience here. You're fantastic. You're wonderful. And your work, especially the donations uh, for the ultrasounds, that, that's kingdom work. That's the kind of stuff that we will be getting well done, my good and faithful servant, for when we go into the other side. So it's the kind of stuff we want to be involved in. And we're so excited that you guys, that you did this with us. So thank you, listening audience, for providing those ultrasounds. We exceeded our goal. And that's fantastic. Uh, praise God. He gets the glory for all of it. So right now, I want to go to the phones. Chris in Georgia. Hey, Chris, thanks for calling the show today. Hi, yes. I just wanted to make a comment uh, about some things you were talking about earlier. Yeah. With uh, them, viewing, them viewing us, uh, being able to watch us through our phones and, and other cameras and devices and so mm -hmm. forth. And, and I just, I recall that, that the Bible says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I just want everyone to know that we don't have nothing to fear. And if they want to view our lives as Christians, let them view our lives and see the blessings of God flow. That's what <laughs> that's I say. A, that's a great perspective, Chris. I, I don't disagree with you. Like I said, I, I, come, I live in Boringville. Um, and I hope that they would also see me praying and reading my Bible and everything else. But I just don't trust what they do with the information. But um, living right before God is a good insulator and a protector against these uh, devices and everything. You have a good point there. Thank you, Chris, for calling the show. Um, how about Diane? Thank you so much for calling in today. Hi. Hey. What's can your you comment? Yeah. Oh, I can hear you now. Okay. Um, I was just calling with a comment about the whole Kevin Hart thing. And I was just wondering, I just wanted to point out the hypocrisy of the left, that why Seth MacFarlane gets a pass on everything that's on his show. 
on TV is, you know, making fun, poking fun of Muslims, you know, Christians, Jehovah Witness, gays, pedophiles. I mean, he makes terrible, terrible jokes, you know, on his show, Family Guy. But he gets a pass. Uh, Seth MacFarlane. Oh, Family Guy. Yes, yes. Because I was trying. I was trying to think of what he does. Uh, you're right. It's a double standard. If they, if you're making them money and they like you and they don't want to attack you, then they'll leave you alone. But for Kevin Hart, he had to be made to bow down, and he was like, "I'm not bowing down," and it, it's their loss. You're, you're so right. It is a double standard. But the only answer in my opinion to all of it is first of all we've got to start being better about what we watch and consume and number two you know it is true that when they're coming for your enemies on the issue of free speech or something like that it's always okay but then when they start coming for you you're like well somebody you know come on you guys this is wrong but by then you may be the only one left and so they they were gleeful when the conservatives got knocked down but now it's their turn and they seem to be a little bit less excited about it. Thanks for calling the show, Diana. I appreciate that. You know, I, I just, I thought it was funny that he was so ambivalent about the whole exercise that as soon as they started, you know, going, going to him and demanding an apology, he was immediately like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And I already apologized. And he even went through that whole thing. We, you know, everyone evolves on issues and so and so I don't, I don't even think he's evolved on. And I don't think if you ask Kevin Hart one-on-one, so you've changed your mind, you really do, you, you, you're, one of your chief aims for your son is for him to be a homosexual. He would not say, oh, yeah, I've evolved on that. I'd be fine with him being a homosexual. He'd say, no, I want my son to be heterosexual like me. I want him to be uh, in, the, in, in the place where he can make a family and he can live a life that's much easier than making a choice that puts him on a path of destruction. He would definitely say that privately. He may no longer say it publicly, I think he's still making jokes about homosexuals in a stand-up routine. And so nothing has changed. He apologized once because it was something that was a requirement, and now it's over. And he's not apologizing anymore, and he really hasn't changed his mind. Which just goes to point back to, I said this years ago, that no matter what laws are passed, homosexuality, transgenderism, this whole movement to criminalize speech, people aren't really accepting it. They're giving lip service to it because they think it will benefit them at work or wherever it might be that they're, they're experiencing this. But deep down, they haven't accepted it. They don't want it promoted in their own family. They'll accept it if a family member is already you know, engaging in it. But if it's something that, that is there for their own child, they're not promoting that. Only the very uh, wildest and outlandish of people are promoting it, like Hollywood stars adopting kids and then making them live as the opposite sex. That's something they're doing. But for mainstream Americans, no one has really changed very much on this, except that they're more tolerant because they're being forced into it uh, by these fascists, true fascism, where you have no choice. You have no option to speak your mind freely or to share information or to even disagree. That true fascism is coming straight from the left. I wrote about it for America's First Freedom magazine for the NRA uh, last year um, and even went on the Huckabee show to talk about it. On TBN, it was it, it it is real this fascism, but it's not coming from the right. I want to give you the details on that Amazon Ring thing. Uh, the Intercept reported last week that Ring provided its UK Ukraine, pardon me, Ukraine-based research and development team 
virtually unfettered access to a folder on Amazon's S3 cloud storage service that contained every video created by every Ring camera around the world. So every device that has a Ring, or every home that has a Ring device, I should say, every video that's ever been made on that device is stored in a folder in Amazon's S3 cloud storage. That folder was then Basically, they give you access, meaning if you try to access it and it's not ready, you get a message saying you have no access. But if they give you access, that means these people in the Ukraine were emailed or given a phone call or they were mailed something, probably email, saying, look, here's a folder with all of these uh, video files in it. Use it for your research. And so they did, obviously. Why wouldn't they watch all the videos? So these highly sensitive files could be easily browsed and viewed. Downloading and sharing these computer video files would have required little more than a click. In other words, your little listserv that you're on talking politics or talking whatever, and it's a bunch of you and your friends, has nothing to do with work, and you get access to this database, you could easily click and download it to your laptop and then text those video files to anybody you want to to laugh at people, make fun of them, mock them, or point out interesting things in the video. No kind of notification to the Amazon Ring users. The video files were left unencrypted. The UK, Ukraine team was also provided with a corresponding database that linked each specific video file to the corresponding specific Ring customer. So if you wanted to know exactly who you, whose video you were watching, they had need only click over to an additional database that was provided to them and they could look up the customer's information. Now think about, just think about all of the information that Amazon has on each of us if you're a customer. They have your name, your phone number, your address, and they usually know how many people are in your family based on your purchasing habits. They also have an income profile on you, and they know some of your political leanings based on the books and other items that you purchase. They can cross-reference the information that they have on you with any apps that they've developed for Facebook, because remember, Facebook has on numerous occasions made your user information on Facebook searchable to app developers. So apps that you've used on Facebook that might have been in the Amazon portfolio can then be used to create a more full picture of you. And now they have the videos that you made yourself that they can literally watch you and they know all of this information about you. I'm telling you, so much of what we're trying to protect is already out there. But the live video feeds, I just reiterate, why do you need a, a device, a computer device to search things for you when you can just still use your little fingers? They still work and it's still good for us to use them. We don't have to have everything at a voice command. Ring also re reported providing similar access to executives and engineers in the United States, which allowed unfiltered round-the-clock live feeds from some customer cameras, regardless of whether they needed access to this extremely sensitive data to do their jobs. So they could have a window open on their laptop or their desktop at work and be watching these live feeds of people's homes, the people are at home and doing whatever. They might have just been watching their cats, what cats do when parents aren't home. They might have been watching just that. Whatever they were watching, they had access to it, even if it was not a part of their duties. To, they, they didn't need it. An unnamed source told The Intercept that if an engineer knew a reporter or competitor's email address, they could view all of their cameras. Employees joked around about spying on their coworkers' home cameras. So you kind of wonder, if you work for Amazon, do they require you to have a ring? So 
you know, you have it at home and you may not even really need it, but you have it there and it has to be hooked up and accessed so that they can spy on you. As advertised on Ring's website, Ring allows you to monitor your home from your smartphone, tablet, or PC with the added ability to speak to anyone on your property from anywhere. Now, I will admit right here on this show, when I saw the commercial for this and the lady, there were two guys on her doorstep about to steal her package. And she said, I can see you. I'm home. Get off my front. And by the way, this information is being transmitted to the police. I thought that was pretty cool. But that was a camera on the outside of the house meant to deter theft. This is talking about the cameras on the inside. Ring's customizable motion sensors let you focus in on the most important areas of your home. You'll get instant alerts as soon as Ring detects motion. You'll always be the first to know when anyone steps foot on your property. Ring lets you monitor every corner of your property with a video doorbell at your door and stick up cams around the house. You can create a ring of security around your home, your entire home. Ring has denied claims in the Intercepts report with a spokesman declaring Ring employees never have or never did provide employees with access to live streams of their Ring devices. Of course you didn't, Facebook Junior. You know they did. They're just lying. I mean, remember the good old days when companies used to get caught out and they would admit it and somebody would get fired and they'd move on? Nowadays, they're just like, we didn't do that. I don't know what they're talking about. This Intercept stuff is just not even cool. Who believes that? Who, who actually believes that? All right. I wanted to uh, just briefly cover, we have about a minute left here. I wanted to briefly touch on, uh, I, I was able to tune into the White House. Uh, re, they had a conference call for grassroots leaders. And I just want to reiterate how strongly the president is on staying the course on the shutdown. There are some benefits. They're like unintended consequences for that are beneficial to the Trump administration from the shutdown. Obviously, public opinion is not great, but when you commit yourself to an aim or a goal, you have to really hunker down and see it through. And I think the president's resolve is strong on this. And for that, I greatly appreciate and support what he's doing to get border security for our, our country. And we'll talk more about that on the show tomorrow. God bless you from the heartland. Stacy Washington, host of Stacy on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We'll be back with more. If you're sticking around, if you're leaving us, God bless and we'll be with you tomorrow.